We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. That's where you look me up on Twitter. And this is the show where we go over a little bit of uh, last night's slate. Didn't do very well. Go a little bit over uh, today's slate, I guess. It's a 10-game slate. Who knows what's going to happen? It's NBA DFS. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. Does it really matter? Does it really matter? We'll talk strategy, though. We'll, tell, we'll take, take a... A little deep dive into some strategy stuff. If you're in the if you're in the YouTube chat and you got some questions, feel free to type them in. I see you guys here in the morning. Matt Mears, Kevin Copeland, Card Fan, Apocalypse, Bluegrass, Jeff, Milo Kaminsky. Welcome. Hit that thumbs up on the thummy thumbs. Give me those thummy thumbs. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Click the notification bell to know when we go live. But it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Let's take a look at yesterday's slate because because today's slate it's 10 it's 10 games who knows covid cancellations who did do we even trust the injury reporting anymore doesn't matter doesn't matter that uh what we Kawhi is questionable does that matter are we going to get that information but that's the late game who knows who knows what's going to happen and then the people that aren't even on the report they end up not playing so it, at this point it doesn't matter uh, but yesterday uh we had uh basically the nuggets the Nuggets value, value, in quotes, in quotes. The value is chalk. Uh, Compalzo ended up getting there. In the, the first half, it didn't seem like it, right? So he got there, but Compalzo, Green, Porter. Jokic was the least owned out of the bunch. I mean, uh, Jokic and Jamal Murray. RJ Hampton got a little bit of ownership, but pretty much they had, uh, you know, obviously Harris is out. And Dozier is out, but they had Monty Morris is out and Barton is out. They were pretty much running a like what eight eight man rotation. Well, nine. I mean, 
Then he had like the Ninjani. I don't know how do you pronounce that guy's name. Uh, Marcus Howard. I mean, just guys off the street, I guess. Uh, so, so you figure with the amount of minutes that are available that uh, guys like J. Michael Green and Michael Porter are going to do pretty well. Nope, they didn't. <laughs> nope. Pretty much everything went through Murray and Jokic or Kompazov towards the end. So uh, you need them. So that busted a lot of lineups. J. Michael Green was 43% owned in the finger roll. Michael Porter was 35% owned. Even DeAndre Jordan, like with uh, with Durant and, and Irving out, uh, Jordan got a good amount of ownership and he didn't really get there. I mean, he got 22. I mean, he was cheap and 45, 4,500, 22. That really doesn't, doesn't, doesn't get you there. He was chalky. So a bunch of the chalk other than like Harden, basically you needed Harden, Composo, Giannis, right? You could even have used LeBron, I guess, I guess in certain constructions. Lillard kind of got there also, right? 61. You needed some combination. It was going to be a stars and scrubs type of type of slate. Robert Williams was probably a little bit necessary. Cheap in the center spot, about 15% down with a 30 at 3,100. I mean, that's about a 10X, right? I mean, if we take a look through, I mean, John Moran had a decent game, but not good enough. Zion had a good game, but not good enough. I mean, not, not for those types of constructions. Pretty much, uh, how about the, the the cheap Nets guys? Like Tyler Johnson did pr- pretty good. Lou Dort, 38. He was there. Anthony Edwards had hit himself a game. But still, that middle, that, that balanced build, really, number one, wasn't that popular. And number two, probably it couldn't get you to Harden and Giannis, right? Because they're putting up nearly 70 points. So we take a look at, at, at some of these constructions, like we go to entries. Like the winner has basically, yeah, well, Jokic. Okay, you could have played Jokic also. Harden, Jokic, Murray and Edwards in the mid-range, and then you kind of go down from there. So you're still playing Robert Williams and Compazzo. And Derek Williams, uh, Derek Jones, who's under 4,000 also. So this is still a Stars and Scrubs type of build. Here's another one. Harden, a little bit more balanced, right? You got Zion, you got... Fred Van Bleet, I mean, a lot of, no, none of these guys are owned. I mean, look at, look at the total ownership here. Josh Hart had himself a game that he has once every, every, every two weeks or so, just shows up with a, you know, 40 plus point game. Third place lineup. Yeah. Harden, Harden, Giannis, Robert Williams, Damian Lillard, still a DeAndre Jordan in there. It still got up to third in the big field contest. Royal Payne over here. What is his top lineup? Yeah. Pat Connaughton. He took all the points away from Chris Middleton yesterday, <laughs> right? If you played Middleton yesterday, like what the hell is going on with him? Now Pat Middleton stole his points. But look, there's a pretty chalky lineup outside of Connington. I mean, look at this. I mean, this is how this is how you build a leverage lineup, even using like all the chalk. Because as long as you have like a one percent on guy in there, like you could just jam in all the chalk. Now. You move this, you move Connington up to you know seven or eight percent or something, then maybe you have to start getting a little less chalky elsewhere. So you got Lillard, right? He's filling in Lillard, Giannis, Harden. I mean, this looks like essentially outside of Connington, this looks like a cash lineup. Essentially. I mean, I've I saw these types of lineups in double ups yesterday. Outside of you know, maybe punting with Connington. So I mean, how when you make this one big pivot, but I mean, who's that guy going to be? 
Like this isn't it's like the be all end all of what you do every slate. But it shows that if you added up all of these, 20 plus 54 plus one plus 16 plus all of these, the ownership sum is going to be pretty high. Be very close to your cash game uh, ownership sum. Obviously a little bit less because it doesn't have Porter, doesn't have J. Michael Green. But if you just went by ownership sum you and you go, oh, I need to cut it out at uh, 200 or something. Like you'd never get this lineup because it would be over that. But still leverage enough because you have, you have a 1% on guy in here. So that's why ownership sum in and of itself, if you did a product and if you multiplied them, this type of lineup would actually have a lower number than a lineup that has a lower ownership sum, but a higher ownership product. So just this highlights the fact that you don't have to net that, that ownership sum, that cumulative ownership that you see like in lineup HQ when you, you know, add up all the players ownership is not like the be all end all. It's a, it's a good judge, but it doesn't necessarily tell the, the full picture of like, is my lineup leveraged enough for GPPs? So that's why we look, we look in result DB on how did top players find leverage, right? So you look here, it's like, okay, no, I'm saying I'm not going to play J. Michael Green. Like where, where, where is he finding leverage? Power forward, forward, under on Porter. So we're looking power forward, forward, right? Oh, I was playing a lot of TLC. That didn't get there. Aiton in the center spot. Okay. Constructions like that. Anything further down? A little bit pieces here. Gary Trent, he's a shooting guard. Derek Jones, a bunch of him. LeBron in the small forward spot. It's going to spread it around. Chris Middleton, 18%. I'm looking, I'm looking for power forward, forwards, 8%. Tatum, Grayson Allen, 10%. Semi Ogile. Okay, so just a little bit of everything. Kind of like instead of playing J. Michael Green, just kind of take a little bit less projection and just spread it around. Okay. Rin Pack over here, a little bit more balanced. Enos Cantor for Chetavisk over here. Enos Cantor, DeAndre Jordan, probably one of each, right? Because 50, 57 up here, 42 down there. Probably didn't men play many both together. Still played plenty of Campazzo. We take a look at Squirrel Patrol. Mostly Giannis builds, a little under on Harden. Played Robert Williams, okay. Got those constructions, but also played like Zeke and Nanaji or whatever his name is. That didn't happen. But I like over here, like FJ Bourne went like the complete opposite uh, construction. So instead of doing like stars and scrubs and using the cheap guards, like still use Gimpazzo, right? As one of those spots. Still use Giannis, still use J. Michael Green, but like found like lineups where playing Campbell Walker, playing John Morant, playing Jamal Murray. Any, anyone else? Down here, Dario Saric even, okay. Kind of flipping the construction. People were playing value guards. They were playing Campazzo, Harden, Green, Porter. They were, and if they were paying, paying up, they were playing like a Lillard or a LeBron in a guard spot. It's like, well, who's gonna be under-owned? Well, Kemba, John Morant, Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray's direct leverage also. Like direct leverage off of like the off of Porter and Green and those types of guys. Although it seems like he did play some 
overlapping lineups there. That's what you do. You just, how, how did their constructions differ? Now, obviously, these guys are playing 150 lineups. So you could go, you could go through 150 of them if you want. But I can get a sense of what type of constructions were made just by looking at exposures. Okay, played more lineups that look like this, look generally like this, generally like that. Sometimes people, sometimes they don't get there, right? 22% Naji or whatever his name is, right? We also had the, you know, the Tyler Johnson down here. I mean, he kind of got there, right? For his price. This is probably a late swap down here, Tyler Johnson. But I'm saying like Dario Sarge, okay, 20, nearly 20% of lineups. If he gets there, great. I mean, he's in great shape. If he doesn't, so bad. Or, you know, 20% of the lineups get burned. Cameron Payne, Nasir Little, Chris Chioza. Look, look down here. Chris Chioza. Less than 1% owned, five points. Because he was going to obviously play the second unit point guard or whatever. I mean, he didn't do it. He didn't do anything. That's Bills fans 777. Where did they find leverage? That's what you're doing in Results TV. This is what I do in the morning every day. I just pulled up a, a, a select select few that they did with the, people that had lineups that had high enough finishes. I mean, I could go through. I could go through twenty of these, thirty of these, fifty of these. Compare my GPP lineups to their GPP lineups. Oh, I tried doing this. Did anyone else try to do it that way? Right? Or you're missing out. You're like, oh, why was this guy so owned and I didn't have him? It's like, well, then you missed something. Most of the time, I'm not missing anything, but maybe you are. Right? Late swap and everything. I don't know why everyone had so and so. If you didn't know why Facundo Composo was 54% owned, then you have to kind of go back to basics. Well, the Nuggets playing with barely any players and he was starting. I guess we were lucky for him to get there after the first half he had, or the first half the Nuggets had in general. But this is how you learn. This is what you should be doing. This is what the people in chat should be doing. What's up, YouTube chat? Hit those thumbs up buttons. That doesn't matter. Thumbs down, you can do a thumbs down. I think the YouTube algorithm doesn't care. Let's see. Bluegrass Jeff. I'm going to try maxing in the MME piggy bank on FanDuel to try 150 lineups for the first time. Any advice? I mean, that's that's too broad of a question. Any advice? You know, practice what you're doing first. You're going to try maxing? I mean, have you used lineup HQ before? Have you watched the videos? Depends on what type of person you are. Right? I mean, really, it really does. I'm I'm the type of person that reads the entire instruction book before playing the video game. So you could see my perspective in it. Like I, I didn't, I, I didn't enter actually, I, I didn't play 60, 80, 100, 150 lineups until like I, I, I learned everything about how to tool, about how to do it, about uploading, about all that type of stuff. But some people learn by just more so by trial and error. So I'm just going to do it. I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm just, but it's a piggy bank. That's like a five cent entries or something, right? It'll cost you what seven dollars and fifty cents. So what's the worst in the worst thing in the world? You lose seven seven bucks or something, right? I think I think it's a nickel, something like that. So yeah, if you want if you want to test it out or something. But uh, but me personally, like, 
I don't get involved in stuff until I, until I, I learn exactly what I'm doing. So like any advice is like, well, there's hours upon hours of videos. You can get, you get premium, RG premium. Click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month. And there are tons of videos on lineup HQ. Process videos, everything, tons, hours upon hours of premium content from multiple sports. I mean, you could watch, we could watch an NFL lineup HQ video and it still applies to NBA as far as how to navigate building that many lineups with, with, with a lineup builder like that. Let's see, going through YouTube chat, people talking about their lineups. Did Connaughton project well last night? No, of course not. Why would he? When, but if Middleton's going to have a bad game, that means probably Connaughton has a good game. Jacob Calloway says, I've noticed that Osimo and Utica tend to have two to four sub 10% owned guys per lineup in large field. Starting to think they might set a group to include minimum two. They don't need to. You could get that yourself. Right? Through your exposures, through the way that you're line, the constructing a lineup, you don't need to make a group. If you need to make a group, you can do it. You're trying to, you're trying to bet, you're trying to equate lineups to settings. And I don't care about the settings. I care about the lineups. What do I have to do to achieve lineups like that? Do, do, do you have to include a group? No. If you're trying, if you're trying to get lineups within a certain ownership range, it's gonna it's gonna work itself out. The only way to get a lineup in that ownership range is by having two sub ten percent owned guys in the lineup, or the ownership sum is gonna be too high. So it's naturally gonna happen if you're building leverage lineups. I mean, it's just naturally gonna happen. Matt Mears says, uh, "Can you talk about game selection?" strategies in relation to the size of the slate. I tend to play the lower entry contests, but it seems like there's value in larger entry contests can contest win more games. The size of the slate, it, it all depends on the overlap of lineups. The more games, the more decisions you make, the more options you have, the less amount of games, the less options, the less decisions you have. So if you to the extreme example, let's take a two-game slate. How many different decisions, how many different lineups can you make on a two-game slate? If I'm a good player and you're a bad player, like you can probably end up with five of the same players of mine. There's only so many players to choose from. I mean, like, how many mistakes can you make? There's going to be a lot of overlap. So your skill advantage in smaller slates is going to be lower. The variance of one player makes the whole slate much more higher variance because, oh, well, I didn't play the 16% don't scrub that whatever you lose. That's it. On a larger slate, you don't, you don't, that, that scrub is 2% owned and doesn't matter that much. So in a 10 game slate, a lot more decisions, less overlap in lineups. There are many more paths to first place. I mean, we, we see in results DB even yesterday on a six game slate. Obviously, some of the chalk failed. But I mean, we take a look here. It's like, okay, you needed Harden, Campazzo, Jokic. It was like Jeff Green's in this lineup. Anthony Edwards is in this lineup. Then you take a look at the next one. Van Vliet, Dort, Covington, Gasol, 
Zion Hart. I mean, like, look, look at this line. Similar amount of points, but like the five different players in it. The next lineup. Okay, you got Connington. They got Connington. And then kind of chalky chalk. I take a look at this lineup over here. Jalen Brown. Jared Vanderbilt. Hernan Gomez, which would we could never we could never get him. It's because the names are like always different, like Guillermo Hernandez or whatever. It, it, I don't know. Results DB just doesn't like him. So there, even on a six-game slate, there were multiple ways to get 350 plus. Landry Shamet, look, I mean, come on, Isaiah Roby, still got you there. You know what I'm saying over here, Fred Van Vliet, Anthony Edwards. I mean, like there were multiple paths to get 350-ish points on a two on a two-game slate. How many paths can there be? Ten-game slate, there could be a ton of paths. So to me, on, on larger slates, that I, I prefer the larger slates. Smaller slates are more about the, uh, not having duplication. If you're playing large field, to me, I find the two-game slates, three-game slates to be, okay, how do I build a lineup that's not duplicated 74 times? Like, do you think that? You think of like, what weird thing can I do that no one else is doing? On a 10-game slate, you don't even have to think that way. Right? Right, we take a look at today's, today's slate. And you look and you go, okay, we're going to get some wall. Lillard will still be popular, right? They price Vooch up. Tatum and Brown against the, the Hawks. They may be chalky. Then you look and you go, okay, well, you could play. Like, no one who's playing Bam out of Bio. Probably no one. So there you go. And then you, then you build the rest of your line. You're good. You're good. That's it. I mean, like, I got its 2% own that could go for 60 points. You're done. Steph Curry at his price. Brandon Ingram, John Collins, Julius Randle. Look how many DeMontis Sabonis, Enos Cantor, Draymond Green. I mean, there's tons There's tons more players. Carl Anthony Downs is on the slate, right? Tons of ways, tons of ways to not overlap lineups. So on large on larger slates, I'm, I prefer GBPs on larger slates. On the smallest slates, is not all that appealing. There's going to be so much overlap in lineups. Here, there's not going to be as much overlap in lineups. In cash games, maybe, sure. But not in GBPs. You could find a way to get different. And there's more edge in these larger slates. The smaller slates, if people are just jamming in median, they're going to look very close to GPP lineups anyway. Because there's only so many choices in a two-game, three-game slate. So people's cash lineups versus GPP lineups are not going to be that dra- dramatically different. Here, they should be dramatically different, but a lot of times they aren't. So people are like, oh, I'm just going to play the best plays, playing in a 48,000 entry GVP, and that, that's just like free equity for you. Yeah, they'll min cash, but they have a little shot at finishing in first place. But on the smaller slate, that median lineup could be the first place lineup, right? It could. There's only so many choices. So I don't know if that has to do with contest selection in and of itself, but that's how the, the differences in the slate size affects your, what, what, what do you decide to play that day? Like cash games on small slates are just, it's a variance fest. Most likely people are going to either have the same lineup or one V ones, two V twos. I mean, you do get that 
when there's tons of value on 10 game slates, but it's way more so on two game slates where the two V two involves some scrub off the bench. What scrub off the bench did you play versus what scrub off the bench did I play? And that, that settles everything, right? Did, right. You take a look at a slate. It's like, well, I played Pat Connerton and you played Tyler Johnson and whoever wins that wins a thousand dollars. I mean like that, that's the difference. Yet in a larger slate, you, you may have more differences between lineups. Going through the YouTube chat, feel free to type in your questions into the YouTube chat. Hit those thumbs up buttons, the thummy thumbs. I still don't got, got apple juice. My, my wife, we're going out, we're going out to Kroger. She's getting more apple juice. It's coming. It's coming. looking at today's slate i mean i do what i normally do when i first first pull this up let's refresh okay 5 25 a.m so these these projections don't even matter you go just go okay build 20 lineups whatever let's see what happens right okay wall and wabo because we have oladipo out horford has a d tag is horford are we just projecting him to just not play in a back-to-back he played yesterday right yeah he played yesterday but we still have him in the projections. And that's what I mean by the projections team in the morning has to come in and update this. Because obviously if Al Horford is, is doubtful to play, then he shouldn't be 50% of lineups. But that's what I'll look for. So let's say we'll, we'll just X him out. Of course, the projections will change if Horford's out. So I'll bump up a whole bunch of other people. But let's take Horford out. Run it again. Right. Oh, Semi Ojale. Okay, I guess so. Jokic, Campazzo, Wall, Nwaba, Zvi. Okay, we're, 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 we're light on value today, I guess. I mean, Campazzo, and it depends on Monty Morris. I mean, Monty Morris could, could start, could play, and then Campazzo is like, eh, whatever. It seems more like Boston, Brown, and Tatum. Maybe you only play one of them. Jokic against Washington on a back-to-back. John Wall. So I'm taking a look, like 286.35, 286.15, 285. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere around 285, 286 range. And I'm like, okay, well, who's the jamming in? Wall, Composo, Brown, Tatum. Okay, well, I'm going to split Brown and Brown and Tatum up. So if I split Brown and Tatum up, how much meeting am I sacrificing now? Okay. Two and a half points or so, three points. Okay. They're probably ne- their ceilings are probably negative correlated to each other. Okay. So now I have a better baseline, 283.6. Because I've got Wall, Nawaba, Campazzo, Jokic. I'm splitting up Tatum. And Brown, of course, we're getting a lot more Tatum than Brown. So I'm going to just cut that to 50. Just so we see some Brown lineups. Maybe cut Wall and Composo to 50. Just cut a bunch of people to 50. Let's see. Just so we see more lineups. More diversified lineups. Okay, I think that's pretty good. All right, we're getting... Ro- yeah, okay. Because, oh, so means he's core tagging... Roby, because we're we're assuming that 
that Horford's going to sit. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming so, even though the projections have not been updated for that. But that makes sense. I'm going to build 20 lineups. This, this, remember, these aren't the lineups that I'm playing. This is just research. It's 11 in the morning. Okay, 283. Okay, so I, I cut some of these out. I'm still getting that in the top end, getting a bunch of Damian Lillard, Svi. Svi. Why am I getting Svi? So I'd go in, see what see what Svi is. 21%. What's going on? What's going on with the Detroit? Well, I mean, they have Dubaya out. Okay, Griffin's never going to play again. Is that, is that what's going on? Is Griffin in the projections? Obviously, he's not because, yeah, he's not in the projections because that's the reason why he's to be. Or all the Pistons or whatever. Does, does Blake have that much of a usage that it's going to matter that much? I guess someone has to play in the second unit. But, I mean, we, I mean, based on, like I said, these projections, they're going to be updated. This is 525 in the morning, which means it's like, these are the algorithmically generated ones that like no one has looked at. But I guess based on that, Svi Mikhailuk has a 21% smash, which would be fine, but I think that goes down. Maybe we take him out. So we take out Svi. Anyone else here? Let's let's cut let's cut these guys to 50. Cut Moritz to 50. The reason why I'm cutting these to 50 just so I can see more lineups that are more have more diversification between them. Rather than see 20 lineups that all have the same players in it, except for like one change. I could do that with unique players, but like I'm not going to play lineups that have like all the chalk in it. So I want to see what those lineups look like. I'm cutting V out and let's see what happens. Okay, Wall, Composo, Nuava. Tatum, Noel, Wright, Roby, Jokic. Okay, this isn't this isn't that bad. This would not this would not be that bad of a lineup. Is it going to end up being too chalky? Maybe. Right, because we could probably have Tatum be chalky, Roby be chalky if Horford's out, Campazzo still be chalky with uh, Monty Morris out and Evan Barton and all those guys. But these don't look that bad. Two eighty three. Obviously, we have to see what the ownership is. Here's one with Moritz Wagner, J. Michael Green. Maybe you don't play three Nuggets together. I mean, you could play him here instead of Jokic. You play Lillard here. So these lineups don't look all that bad for, for what's currently. What, 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 what's currently? We got uh, Nerlens Noel in the center spot. Hopefully he doesn't get into foul trouble. So these lineups don't look that bad. Moritz Wagner, Nerlens Noel, John Collins. Okay, I guess so. But look, I mean, look how many lineups, like 20 lineups, they all look very similar. Then we get down to lineups that once they cut out the 50%, then it really goes down. 282, see, there's 269, right? Because it doesn't have Tatum. It doesn't have Wall. It doesn't have, it doesn't have any of those guys. So, yeah, if you, if you fade those guys based on our current projections, which... Don't matter that much. You're going to be sacrificing a lot of median for that. That's the reason why I cut it to 50% because it's going to use as many as it can up here and then kind of go boop. So, okay, how much median am I giving up if I fade those guys? All of them. 
Well, I think I'm sacrificing way too much. I'd be sacrificing from the top optimal, which is like 286. I'd be sacrificing like 18 points. It's maybe a little too much. This is my research. Oh, but who's this guy playing? What's that total? And what's I have, I have no idea. It's in the projections. I just need to look at lineups. That's all you need to do is look at lineups. What lineups make sense? What lineups project well and have lower ownership? That makes sense. Like I said before, maybe I don't want to play three nuggets together. So I go and I make a group that I don't play them together. All right, you go in here. You go, I'm not going to play Jokic. Maybe I play Campazzo. Green. Is there anyone else that's going to show up? Is Porter going to show up again? He's not going to show up for the actual game. I said it. Set it to two. Set of these three out of these four guys, at most two players. So that lineup from before that we were looking at wouldn't get built. All right, we look at the Compazzo Jokic. It's around here somewhere. All right, here we go. J. Michael Green, Compazzo, Porter, Jokic. All right, with Wall, Nawaba, Wagner. All right, you take a look at this. Like this, maybe not a good lineup. So you're telling lineup HQ not to build these types of lineups. Okay, so there you go. You go from there. Build 20 lineups. We're not going to get it. I mean, we can still get the same lineups from before, just not that one. We go through here. So if you have any questions, I mean, this, to me, this is the process. This is what I'm doing at 530, after the 530 Eastern Injury Report. A lot of times you can do this in your head also. Let's go through the YouTube chat. Let's see. Sam Grant asks, if you play 10% of bankroll every slate, is that 10% of your initial bankroll or 10% of your current bank? 10% of your current bankroll, right? I didn't do well in cash yesterday. The streak is over. The bull, the bull run is over. It's a bear market now. Right. Swept in cash, what, four days in a row and then got fucking beaten up. Right. Swept the other way. So for minus like 2,100 or so. Yeah, but it's a 10% of, of the current bankroll. That's the whole point. If I start with 20,000, I'm not just playing 10,000 to 22,000 a day, no matter what. As the bankroll increases, What's 10% of that? So today would be around 3,500, right? It's like compound interest, right? If you have an edge, you want, you, you want to take advantage of it. So as you build your bankroll, your, your risk is still the same percentage, but it represents more money. So you want to make, you, do you want to make more money? You want to grow exponentially? I mean, that's what the Kelly criterion is. Go look, go look it up, the Kelly formula. That's what it's all based on. What percent can you risk versus what your edge is? And obviously, the more and more you make, the more and more likely that you have an edge. So why not continue to risk 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%. Like it's like compound interest. 
in your stock portfolio or your bank. The money that you get in interest, you're reinvesting it back instead of taking it out. This is the way where you could, I mean, you could double your money in the, the, the span of a couple of slates, right? Look, I got all the way down. Look, look at this dip. Like, whoop, there's two slates. Major losing. And look, you could practically, from this point to that point is double the money. About, a little less, a little bit less. Not because I like double down or anything. I'm still just playing 10% of whatever the current bankroll is. But this is represents four days of winning in a row playing 10% of the current bankroll each time. But the raw money from 8,000 to 16,000 or something like that, right? It was down there, right? We were down to the 11th, 8,463. Yeah, more than doubled, right? Got up to 17,860. And this is just playing 10%. You can see the wager. Do you obviously combine all the dates from 12th together? From the 13th together. You do the same in GPPs. If you have an edge, your risk of ruin is going to be low. Because let's oh let's say the bankroll gets down to 10,000, then you're only playing a thousand a slate. Gets down to five thousand, now you're playing five hundred a slate. Get down to a hundred bucks, you're playing ten dollars a slate. You build it up from there. And that's how that's how you build a bankroll from whatever starting point you're at. Because the more and more you win, the more the, obviously you have an edge. So don't some to take your profit out and then play for the same hundred bucks. It's like, no, do you want to make more money? Reinvest in yourself. Assuming that if you have a bankroll, that means you've had it's that means it is an investment. It is stuff that you've set aside for the purpose of playing DFS. So if you win ten thousand dollars, you're not taking out ninety five hundred and Spending it on whatever. Like you're reinvesting it back into your play. And that helps it grow even further. You don't have to. I mean, you don't have to. But if you're treating it as an investment, that's, that, would, that would be good. Doesn't mean you don't take a dividend. Doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean, oh, I never, never take out anything. Right? No, of course not. But it doesn't mean that you, you, you win, you win for a, you win for an entire season and you go, okay, I'm back down to zero again. And then you take, what do you do? Take that money and put it in the bank? Probably not. Oh, I'm going to spend it on something. I'm going to spend it on a car. You could. I mean, if that was your goal to do, then do it. Perfectly fine. Depends on what your goals are. Me, I treat DFS like an investment. So I reinvest back in, back in, back in. Let's go through the YouTube chat a little bit. It'll be a little shorter show today. Typically on Wednesdays, it's a little bit shorter. I work with the lineup HQ uh, development team. Uh, most of the time, you know, giving my, giving my feedback on new features and uh, bugs or anything, anything that we have testing in the background, new features, fixes, stuff like that. That's on Wednesdays. Chris Shoemaker, oh, asked about the, is there a written version of the theory of DFS or the transcript of the audio? We we have it, we, we're still editing it. Like it gets, it gets, I mean, it's a lot. It's better to, it's better to listen to truthfully. 
That's why that's why I didn't want it. I didn't necessarily want to do a transcript right out of the gate. So we put it through a computer program and it's like, okay, this like yes, yes, it is exactly what we said, but you have to you have to edit it. Like if you listen to it, it would make sense, but just reading through it, it's not it's not sentence structures are not necessarily the best. So it has to be edited, but it, it will be thrown in at some point. It will be thrown in at some point, and you can pick that up. The Theory of Daily Fantasy Sports, 15-hour audio masterclass. All the concepts I talk about on the show are in here. If you want a one-stop resource with all of it in it, right? Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, psychology. Each chapter, right? It's 15 hours of audio. You want to learn the game theory of DFS? This is this is what it is. This is the gold standard. People listen to it multiple times. That's the way it's that's the way it's supposed to be. You listen, you play. Then you come back a month later. Let me listen to it again. Ah, oh, I'm not picking up on that enough. Then you play some more. Then two months later, I'll, I'll listen to it again. Oh, maybe I'm not doing this enough. Like, oh, okay, now 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 that you've played a bunch. You're like, okay, now now I get what he was saying in that chapter. Yeah, that's I've I've been doing that. I, I I've gotten much better at doing that. And you go to another section, go, oh, maybe I'm not doing as much with that now, and I'm going to move and concentrate on that concept more. And then you get better. Is it instantly overnight? I can't snap with my right hand. I don't know why. I'm right-handed. I can snap with my left hand, but I can't snap with my right hand. Is that weird? But it's not going to be overnight. So if you want to learn, go to theoryofdfs.com. Let's go through some uh, some questions in the YouTube chat before we get out of here. Bill Walsh asks, trying to build a bankroll by playing cash. What are your strategies to find contests with weaker players? Well, find contests with weaker players. Typically, it'll be lower stakes. Typically be larger fields, the more likely there to be weaker players. If you could play the one to three dollar contest on DraftKings, play those. I can't. None of the high volume players can. We're restricted. So once you take out an NBA, if you take out the top 50 plus players in the lobby, well, you don't have to play. If you're playing a five dollar double up, you're playing against us. If you're playing a three dollar one, you're not. Does that mean there aren't that there aren't that there's still good players in the low stakes? But you're not you're, at least you're eliminating the possibility of playing 50 to 100 of the best players in the lobby. You could scroll through, hit the entrance button. On DraftKings, just go hit the go to any contest, hit the entrance button and see who's in there. You see some some players that don't have badges? See some some usernames you don't recognize? into the contest it's not it's not that complicated right you go to the three mans the five mans the head-to-head lobby right so click on i'm gonna click on the one dollar head-to-heads who 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 here don't i recognize because if you're playing every day you, you pretty much remember everyone even if there's 70 people 80 80 head-to-heads you you could recognize the names oh the guys that you see every day there's someone I don't recognize, a username. Oh, I don't recognize this guy. Okay, take his. 
Doesn't mean they're not, doesn't mean they're good. You have no idea if they're good or not good. But if you don't recognize them, the chances are they're, they're probably by default going to be weaker than you. By default, you have to think that. I don't see this person around that often, so most likely not. Now I'm looking at the $50 head-to-heads. I mean, yes, I see, I see, I see, I see, I see Empire Maker there. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna take his game. I mean, I, I see, I see, see all the regulars. I'm not taking those. I'm looking for a scroll, scroll, scroll. I don't know that guy. A lot of times you don't find anyone. You're like, oh, okay, it's, there's no one there. And you post and you hope that weaker players take your games. Jacob Calloway says BK Reader is a crusher in the low stakes. B- BK Reader can't be playing, still be playing lower stakes contests. Where's BK? BK Reader could do that on DraftKings? Is he not at the volume on DraftKings yet? That seems kind of odd. I mean, I, at the $5 level, sure. So I guess he is in the one. I guess it may be similar to me. You see me in the $1 contests in, on FanDuel because I play most of my volume on I'm, in my past five plus years on DraftKings. Not as much on FanDuel at all. So to FanDuel, I'm still not restricted. So maybe it's that type of thing. But yeah, you, you, you look, look for the weakest players any way that you can. But you also have to be better than them. Oh, I need to find the weakest player. Well, maybe there aren't as many weaker players because you're not very good. You just need to find players that are weaker than you. And the, the less skilled that you are, the less likely you're going to find players that are weaker than you. And it's still at the end of the day, you improve your own skill. Improving your own skill will always be more beneficial than any other type of hacks or anything. Right. How do I find, how do, how do I, eke out 1% to a half a percent here. Like that doesn't matter if you're, if you're a negative EV player, if you're a losing player, none of now you're just going to lose a little bit less. So you have to focus more on your own play first. People ask what contests to play, what, uh, uh, what players to play against, what, how many lineups do I play? Whatever. It's like, do you know how to build plus EV lineups? And then they say, what the hell's EV? Like a, then yeah, then you need to you need to learn that. You, that's that's what you have to learn first. Once you learn that, then you could worry about how do I squeeze out one percent here and two percent there. Unless you could just find the dumbest people in the lobby. I don't know. I don't know if you've gotten to that point where you'd be the worst player in the world, but you could always find someone worse than you. I mean, I guess I guess it doesn't matter at that point. But those are the things that you should be worried about most. Because a lot of people, a lot of people come from that attitude. Dude, I already know what I'm doing. Just uh, give, give me, give me the the hints on what contest to play and what to do. Like, 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 no, no, did you? Don't, don't overestimate your own skill. Underestimate it, if anything, until proven otherwise. You have a three-year sample size, four-year sample size playing every day, positive ROI. Okay, now you can, now you can start overestimating. Now you can start thinking of yourself as a positive ROI player. 
You don't have that much of a sample size. It doesn't mean anything. I, I look, I'm, I've been playing for five and a half years. Yet I still look at some contest and go, I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough for this. I underestimate it. But I know I'm at, I, I know I'm at a level that I could, I could, I could beat schmucks, right? No problem. So I look for the schmucks. That's, I know that. I've proven that. Can I compete with the big guys? Yeah, probably. Is it worth the risk to me? No. So I don't. I can play, yeah, but play the $800, $1,500 contest, the $2,222 contest. Eh. Let, let them have the fun. I'll, I'll play the $250. i will play the $250 put back or whatever. I'll play the show times for now. And if I prove that I'm good enough in those contests, then, then I start moving up. Don't have to jump in right away. I don't need all the money now. Maybe I am good enough. Maybe I've left tons of money on the table. It's possible. But I'm a nit. So I need to prove that I need to see it in the data. I'm good enough to move up here. I'm good enough to move up there. In this format, in this contest, this field size. I need to see it. Where's your data? That's why I get some, something like a Rototractor. Everything you can see is in the data. And you need to have a big enough sample size. You need that. I mean, the people showing me stuff, oh, to, here's my past three weeks. Like three weeks? I mean, might as well show me the past three minutes. Three weeks? That doesn't mean anything. Nothing. Show me three years. And even then, even then, three years, you could even be lucky, <laughs> right? You know, one, one, good, one good 100K bank could obfuscate the fact that you're not even that good, you're not a good player. You're actually a losing player. You're a negative EV player. So what do you think three weeks is going to do? Nothing. It's going to do nothing. Just buy top shots and retire. <laughs> I, have no, I have no top shots. I have no top shots. I have no Bitcoin either. I have no, no nothing in Bitcoin. No Bitcoin, no top shots, no sports cards, no physical cardboard. Got none of that. None of it. Got none of that shit. I got money in the stock market. Got money playing DFS. I don't need all the money. I'll get there. Feel free. You put you you get your top shots. I'll put my money in the in my IRA. I'll see you in twenty years. We may both we both end up in the same place, right? It may it still may be fine. Uh, Brandon Stinson, do you feel game player knowledge give other DFS winners an edge at all? A bad player having a good game is less likely than a good player having a bad one less crazy projected due to circumstance. I have no idea. I don't, I don't think you need to know anything about the game at all. Players, that type of stuff. Does it give, can it give you a small edge once you're good at DF, at the game of DFS? I guess so, yeah. One, 2% edge. But it doesn't take, doesn't take over the fact that you don't, can't play DFS well. If you don't understand the mathematical concepts of DFS, no. Like that's gonna that's gonna be the biggest biggest amount of edge. 
But once you get to that point, the extra one or 2% by knowing the game of basketball, by knowing the game of football, by no, like by knowing, knowing, not fake knowing, like actual knowing. Yeah, I guess so. But it's not going to replace, it's not going to replace DFS knowledge. DFS has nothing to do with the sport. Okay. So hit the thumbs up button. Hit the dummy thumbs on your way out. Tomorrow, 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 I should have apple juice. A week without apple juice on this show? Maybe that's why the numbers are going down. Are the numbers of the viewers going down? Are the likes going down? I, I don't have apple juice to, to get you to hit the thumbs up button. But I think tomorrow we'll have apple juice. I think my wife just went out to Kroger. Made sure to get me apple juice for the show tomorrow. So uh, so we got a 10-game slate today. 10-game slate, and uh, who knows what's going to happen, right? As of right now, this is what it looks like, but you never know. It's uh, We got, this, what, six, seven hours to go. We got Grinders Live coming up. We got the OGs. It's Wednesdays, so it's Beer Makers Fan. It's Noto. It's Head Chopper. So that's it. 5.30, hit the notification bell to know when it goes live then. And then got crunch time for the premium members. So sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. Hit the link in the description. $10 off your first month. And that's Roth and Meansy. I don't, I don't even know Roth. He's in Texas. I don't know. Maybe he hasn't gotten his power back. So maybe it'll be Grant again. He was on crunch time last night and seemed to not even know what was going on because he hasn't been on crunch time in years, if ever. But hopefully, but means he'll be there. Cards, who knows? Tuttle, someone, someone else. Someone else will be with them, whoever's on the schedule. So tune in then, and then come back tomorrow. Because I'm here. I hear, I'm here. Every weekday morning, weekday, Monday through Friday, 11 o'clock in the morning Eastern, as usual, for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.